All right, church, come on, let's worship. Stand up. It's time. It's coming in the house of the Lord. Thank you for what he's done. And I once was
Sometimes I get into these places where I'm really skeptical of uh, lyrics because they're not scripture, right? So, like, if, if they're not scripture, then what are we doing singing them, right? And so I, I, I get this way about this ocean metaphor because I don't know really where it comes from or why we're using it sometimes. Um, I have a, a general sense, but in, in my Bible reading, this, this became clear. The ancients kind of looked at the ocean as this dark, chaos land where anything goes and, and danger was just around every corner. They looked at this place like, um, like we look at other galaxies, like we look at space, not knowing if when you go into the ocean, you're going to come back. And so, when this song talks about God calling us upon the waters, 
to walk upon the waters. It's like Jesus beckoning to Peter. Jesus says, I've conquered the chaos. I've conquered the seas. I've conquered the things in your life that um, are chaotic and that are, that are spinning out of control. So trust me and come walk with me on these waters. And so when we sing, I will call upon your name and keep my eyes above the waves, what we mean is we keep our trust in Jesus. We keep looking at Jesus because he is the one that's standing upon the seas, bringing order out of chaos, conquering chaos. So God, I pray that as we listen to your word and as we go about our weeks, we would remember that you are the God that conquers the chaos, that conquers the waves. We love you. We pray that today you would lift us up by the preaching of your word. In your name I pray, amen. All right, good morning, Church by the Beach. I hope everyone's having a blessed day so far. Amen? Absolutely. Hey, can we do something? Can we give our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ just the greatest hand clap of praise this morning? Absolutely. Oh, my goodness, we all have so much to be thankful for. And uh, I'm just thankful that I get to be with you guys and hang out. All of you that are here watching us online, listening to us on the radio, we welcome you to our service this morning. This is going to be a great time together. Um, Hey, listen, we got Halloween coming up here soon. And regardless of what you feel and what you do, we do participate for our community, for the children of our community. And we do a thing called Candy Palooza. All right. It's a trunk or treat. Okay, and uh, it's going to be on Halloween night and um, we'll do it here in our church parking lot. Starts at five o'clock. And the only way we can do that is with your help. 
What does that mean? That means we need your trunk, right? Your vehicle. You need to decorate it, have some candy out there, you know, social distance. We'll, we'll give you the guidelines, all that good stuff. But uh, it's a great way for us to interact with the kids of our community. We love kids, don't we? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Like four of you like kids. Okay. You know? Some of you are school teachers and you're not even clapping. I'm really concerned now. All right. But anyway, uh, if you have any questions, please see Miss Margie, our children's pastor. Um, if, if you haven't met her yet, you've heard her and uh, she will help you out. Okay. That'll be awesome. Anyway, listen, listen, listen. We have um, going into a new sermon series today called Awakening, right? Who needs God to do something in your life? Yeah, yeah, we all do. Who wants more of God in your life, right? You want to grow in your relationship. You want to get deeper. You want to, like that song says, you know, and uh, just, just really flourish with God. We all do. But sometimes we need an awakening moment. We need something to just to like open us up, open our eyes up and get us to where we need to be. Uh, this week, I had one of our, our, our church members, he's older than me, okay, just let me throw that out there, he's older than me. He texts me and he's like, Pastor, we need to go golfing this week. And I'm like, oh my goodness, I feel that, that's the Lord. That is the Lord speaking to me, you know? And uh, anyway, so we, we, got the, we got the date of uh, the, uh, Friday, we went on Friday. And uh, so we're out there, and listen, I am, I am nothing to, to brag about, but I'm bragging, okay? So, you know, take it how you want to. But sometimes you got to take it when you can get it, you know, get it when you can take whatever, however you say that saying. And so anyway, so we're out there, we're golfing and, and I'm, I'm doing fairly well, you know, like, okay, I'm feeling it today. You know, I mean, everything's working right. I'm not painting anywhere and the ball's soaring, all this great stuff. So we get up on hole seven. I think it was hole seven anyway. It's a par three. It's like a, it's like a, to me, it's a million miles away, but it's only 136 yards. Okay. And so I get up there and I got my club and, and, and I tee off and all of a sudden it was like one of those moments, you know, everything felt right. The ball sounded perfect like it's supposed to off the club. The trajectory, the angle, everything is working. And you remember like those sport movies when somebody's running? <laughs> That's me. I'm watching this shot go and I'm like, oh, oh, that was good. Gordon, I got all of that one. And then Gordon's like, Pastor, look at it, Pastor. And it's going, I know what y'all are thinking. I'm going to disappoint you. It didn't happen, but it's going through the air. And, and, and then I'm like, oh, you know what? It's not going to quite make it. And it, so the ball lands on the green, mind you, and it starts rolling. And, 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 and so it starts rolling and it's rolling toward the right just a little bit, you know, and that's where, that's where the hole is. Okay. And in me, I'm going, oh, Oh, I mean, I got more excited then than I do in church, you know, come on now. Come on. Some of y'all get so excited when you go to buffet line, you come to church. It's different. All right. So anyway, so here, here it's rolling, it's rolling and it stops. It stops. I say it stops like four inches from the hole. You know, Gordon says eight inches. Uh, we, we compromised to seven. All right. But in that moment, I was thrilled. I was like, yeah, it was like tiger. You know, the whole deal. I had the body language down, everything. And I had this awakening. I need to go and golf more. I got something going on here. You know, listen, 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 listen. Seriously. Some of us, you see the enthusiasm I spoke about that? Yeah. You need to do that with God. Think about that for a moment. Some of you are really doubting. You're really going through seasons of doubt. And when we do that, we begin to question like, 
God, where are you? Where are you? Like, I'm not feeling it. You know, what's going on here? And really what it boils down to is we just really want to move of God. I want to move of God in my life, and I know that you want to move of God in your life. But you know, sometimes in order for us to have that move of God, God requires a season or times of just some uncomfortable time, you know, moments. We don't like, who likes to be uncomfortable? No, you know, I, no, no, I don't, you know, I don't want to be uncomfortable. You know, you, you stay in a hotel and the, the bed's uncomfortable. You wake up the next morning, you're sore, you know, you're getting nothing good out of that. So typically when we look at things that are uncomfortable, it just means that we're not going to accomplish anything worthwhile in that. However, when God brings some moments of uncomfortable feeling within our lives, can I help you out here? He's actually, what he's doing, he's molding, changing, breaking you down, forming you into what he designed, perfect, planned, and will for you to be in your life, okay? So there are moments of life when we got to go, Lord, I need to be uncomfortable. We do. Last week we saw with Peter, we looked at that story where, you know, here, here they are and, and they're celebrating the Passover and you know, they go into this, uh, this, this house, this room, this building, whatever you may want to call it. And customary, you know, it was whoever owned that and whoever was the host. Well, as you entered in, there would be a basin of water there at the door, a stool. You would sit down and they would wash your feet. You know, that was just how they did it. And so here in this story with Jesus and with the disciples, uh, there was no host. Actually, well, I guess there was. Jesus was the host, Okay. Uh, but but um, so, you know, Jesus noticed there's nobody there. So he gets the, the basin of water and he gets the stool and he puts it down and he takes his outer garment, wraps it around and get, has a towel. And he begins to bend down and he's washing the disciples feet. Now, as he's doing that, you know, you, have you ever like been in a moment where there's a lot of you and you notice something was not quite right, but you didn't want to be the person to say it? Yeah, of course. You don't want, I don't want the target on my back. What if I'm wrong, you know? So I'm imagining the disciples in that moment going, Jesus, this isn't quite right. Like, why are you doing this? We should be washing your feet. You're the Savior, the Son of God. You know, all this stuff. You should not be touching our feet. And so I, I'm, I'm just, if I were them, that's how I would have been anyway. I would have been like, I'm not going to be the one. That's Jesus. I ain't saying nothing. If he wanted, he'd do what he wanted to do, right? You know, he washed the water. Who am I, you know? And uh, so Peter, though, the outspoken one, decides, hey, oh, oh, no, no, you are not going to do that with me. No, Jesus. No, 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 no. And, and, and Jesus looks at him and goes, well, if you don't let me do that and then you don't do it to others as, my, as an example that I'm giving you, then you can really have no part of me. And what is that really referring to? Listen to this. You guys have some dirt, grime, and nastiness in your life. And so Peter in that moment realized that. He's like, look, this is the filthiest part of me. And I don't want you getting involved in that because that's making me uncomfortable. There are things in our lives that we are perfectly great with Jesus being the Savior, being in relationship with him, believing in him. But yet, Lord, there's moments and there's areas I don't need you to touch because that just makes me uncomfortable. Mm. You know, we want to move of God's spirit in our lives. We want him to move, but yet we don't want the uncomfortable. I believe that God's word has been given to us um, in, in a challenging way to help dissect within us those areas of our lives. And in fact, James tells us that the Bible is like a mirror to our soul. 
In other words, the scripture is pointing out and bringing out those areas within our lives that must have changed. Let me, I'll ask this question. Don't answer because every one of your hands should go up anyway. But who needs some change in your life? Right? Absolutely every single one of us. None of us can escape that thought and the reality that we need change. There's just stuff about us that's just not gelling. There's stuff about us that's just like, you know, God looks and goes, really? Like, why would you think that? Why would you say that? Why would you allow yourself in that type of environment? You say you're a, a, a committed follower of me, but really all you're doing is believing in me, but not truly following me. You know, there is a difference between believing something and following something. You know, the, the, Bible, the Bible even says, you know, Satan himself, the demons, what do they do? They actually believe in Jesus, but they don't follow Jesus. Two different, completely different things. But the Bible calls you and I to follow after him. What? To go after him. And so what I want us to do is to get to a spot within our lives that we're going, you know what? I want to follow after Jesus. I just don't want to believe. You see, we see within the Old Testament and the New Testament, there are um, some differences, some uh, parallels that, that, that don't quite match up. And, and the best way to look at how this plays out within Scripture is looking at how people acted within a relationship with God before the cross versus after the cross. All right, so let's take a look at a few of those, right? Um, before the cross, God's followers were stale. After the cross, they walked in supernatural power. Before the cross, they were divided. After the cross, they were unified. Before the cross, they were selfish and manipulating, but after the cross, they were generous. If you don't believe me, read the book of Acts, especially the first like five chapters you will see there. Um, before the cross, they were enslaved to people and their own issues, kind of like some of you are right now. Afterwards, they were freed, healed, and spirit-filled to be used by God. Before the cross, they were dwelling in tradition, but after the cross, there was a change to the entire world and how they saw it moving forward. We may assume that the reason that the cross, after the cross, that people experienced much more of God would be this. They desire God more. What are the things in your life, and I believe a challenge that is being set before us right now, what are the things in your life that you are desiring after. Because whatever, whatever it is that you're desiring after, you actually begin to pattern your life after. You know, here we are, you, you're, you know, those of you like sports, baseball, football, very, you know, you got, you know, regardless of what, everything else that's going on in the political realm, take that out for a moment. But you have an interest in that, so what do you do? You're following it. You wanna see what's going on, what's happening, right? Some of you, you're, you're high within the political world, and so what are you doing? You're following it. You're very interested to see how everything is going to unfold. Let me help you out. Only God knows that. Let, allow him to lead all of that, okay? And why am I saying that is because whatever you follow is what, it, is what you're living. Plain and simple. And we all follow different things at different seasons of life, which causes us to what? Live differently in different seasons of life. 
But one thing should always remain a constant for you and I, and that is that we are always followers, not just believers in Christ, but absolute following Christ. What does it mean to follow Christ? Well, have you ever, remember back in grade school, you know, follow the leader? Never understood that game. Like, why are we walking around for no apparent reason? But what are you doing? You're following the person in front. You're mimicking. You're doing everything. You know, I've got, I've got a, um, a six-year-old. He's first grade. You think he'd start maturing by now? You know, first grade. Let's, you know, let's, let's mature. Let's get a job. Anyway, so you know what he loves to do to get on our nerves, specifically my nerves. He knows what to do. And he starts mimicking everything I do and say. Caden, don't do that. Caden, don't do that. Stop, stop. You know, uh, drives me absolutely. Go to your room. No, you go to your room. Oh, what? (laughs) You know what I mean? Drives me nuts. But when you look at that, it really makes a lot of sense because what is he doing? He's following, he's mimicking, he's 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 retracing the steps. Jesus calls us to become followers, not just believe. You know, this word is very important to us, and and we should allow it to be a part of our everyday life. But it's not just enough to have a knowledge of the word, but it become a follower of it. Be honest. I mean, what good is the Bible if you can quote scripture? And, you know, there's there's this group of people within the Bible called Pharisees. And... uh, They were, you know, considered to be highly intelligent. You know, they prayed every day publicly, multiple times a day. Why did they do that? They wanted people to see what they were doing. You know, they they truly were dedicated in that sense. You know, they were dedicated about scripture. um, But the thing that they really lacked was a desire for more of God. It was more of show. It was outward appearance, right? It was it was all of that stuff. In fact, the, the, you know, we, we understood this. In order to be a Pharisee, you actually had to memorize the first five chapters of the Bible. And you know how many words that is? 156,796 words. That's amazing. Some of you can't remember what you did yesterday. So what were they doing? They're just simply going through the motions of everything. They had a belief system. They were very knowledgeable within it. But the part that they lacked was the passion. When you have a passion for something, you're going to put everything you can into it. You're going to absorb yourself into it. And, and we want awakenings. We want move of God's in our lives. And we want a revival to break out. And we want all of this. Let me help you out. It has to start here with you first before it can ever ignite onto anyone else. So the challenge here doesn't need to be like, like the, um, the, the Pharisees, here's what they would do. We're praying for those leaders. We're praying for those people. We're praying for that temple or that church. We're praying for that political party. Hmm. But you know what they're not praying about? Themselves. God, bring a change here. You know, Jesus is always quick to uh, point some things out. And, of course, I'm going to point out what he pointed out. One of the things is this, as he was speaking about the Pharisees, he says something very, a couple things very informative. He says, you never lift a finger to help others. You wear self-righteous symbols on your arms. They did that. It was a memorization of Scripture. They they wore that. and, And they wore it outwardly and very proudly. Why? Look what I have done. Okay. You are blind to your own disobedience. You have mouths that swear against God and you have a heart full of hypocrisy. 
Matthew chapter 23, verse 27, Jesus sums up this entire spiritual state, and he says these words. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You are like whitewashed tombs, which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of bones of the dead and everything unclean. So what Jesus is saying here is that you appear to be spiritually vibrant, but you are farthest from it. In fact, I see you simply as being dead. So the Pharisees, could you imagine how, how they responded? Well, the Bible actually said they scoffed. Dead? Us? Dead? There is no way we are dead. Look at everything that we are doing. Look at all that we are a part of. So they become so offended, and we understand this. What do they do with Jesus? Well, they end up, what, arresting him, beating him, and then crucifying him. They were so dead. They wanted a move of God, but they didn't realize that they had the very Son of God right before them. Some of us have become so distracted with so many different noises in life and so many different things around that we are wanting a move of God to happen, but we don't even realize that the very move of God that we want is right here with us. And he's looking to pour out his spirit in our lives. But he says, look, it's not just enough to believe in me, but you need to follow me. There needs to be a desire. Listen, the Pharisees, like them, we have never realized, in spite of all the activity, all the outward appearance, that we are not spiritually vibrant as we think we are. What does that mean? You're not as spiritually great as you think you are. You see, the Pharisees, they pray, their prayer was, God, send a move on you, to them, to the leaders, and forgetting to ask God to move in them first. We must have an awakening moment in our lives where we wake up. What does awakening really mean, though? Let's define that real fast. It's taking something that is in a state of sleep and awaking it. Simple as that. You know, sometimes we'll go through life and we're going through droughts and we're going through our spiritual highs, spiritual lows, and then sometimes we're somewhere in the middle. You know, I just, right there, I said exactly where you're at. Right in that moment, with just that little phrasing. Can we help me out there? Thank you. And so what happens is that, 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 that we begin to question of, of, you know, God, I need an awakening in my life, but yet I'm not willing to follow after you and follow Jesus in the footsteps that you laid before me. In fact, I, I'm, I'm, I'm sulking in everything that's happening around me. It's everyone else's fault as to why we are not having a move of God. It's the pastor's fault. It's the song leaders. It's the sound man's fault. It's your spouse's fault that you're not getting closer to God. Can I help you out? Who is the one who makes the decisions for your life? You are. And it's a personal decision for each and every one of us. If we want to grow in Christ, and if we want to grow in our relationship with him, then here's three things we need to become. First one is this, dead to sin, or dead, we have been dead in sin. Jesus has paralleled dead people in tombs to the spiritual state of people because all of us, until we are dead in sin, and realize that we have had that sinful nature about us, we truly can't grow in Christ. You were born physically alive, but you were born spiritually dead. 
Here's what we like to do. We like to divide and classify things. Here's how we do it. Good or bad. Helpful, not helpful. Rich, poor. But the only classification that matters to God is simply this. Are you alive or are you dead? Here's what we'll do as church people. Do you notice how I said that? As church people. Well, we serve in the church. We help feed homeless. We, um, we run a cafe. We're on the first Wednesday team. We check in kids at Kids City. We help clean the church in between services. We greet people out of the front of the door. Fantastic. All of that is fabulous. I take nothing away from that. But that is not what grows you in Christ. What grows you in Christ, a desire inwardly to say, Lord, in my filth, in my nastiness, in my grime, I need you to make me a little bit uncomfortable and get into where maybe sometimes I don't want you involved in, in my life, and bring about the change that is absolutely necessary. Now, uh, we see in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 5, it says this, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sin. In other words, you were born into sin and sin separates, right? In which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, meaning Satan himself. The spirit who is now at work and those who are disobedient, all of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Can I repeat that, please? Gratifying what? The cravings of our flesh and following its desires and our thoughts. Have you been there? Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, this is a this is, this is absolutely amazing. This is the gospel message. Made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgression. It is by grace you have been saved. So here's what Paul is saying is that you can tell if someone is still dead by simply what they are following. People who are still following the world's standards and Satan's influence and are, what are ultimately they're following themselves and they are dead. But those who follow Christ are simply alive. So I have a question we must ask ourselves. Are you alive? Are you following Jesus? Or are you dead and following yourself? But we say, I want an awakening, Lord. We need a revival. Are you alive and following Jesus? Not just a belief in Jesus, but following Jesus. Or are you dead and still following yourself. The great thing about that, though, is if we are not alive and we're not following Christ, is he freely gives us an opportunity to change that at any given time, at any moment in our lives. And we need to understand that until Jesus Christ is Lord, until we allow him to be the Lord of our lives, we will never be alive. But once we die to ourselves, what? We become alive in him. All right, number two. Here's what we got. We have been defiled by compromise. You realize that? When Jesus was making this statement, he was pointing to the Mount of Olives. Now, the Mount of Olives was covered, um, the, the ground was covered with these tombs that had a, a white in color over them. And, and they really looked like statues. 
So typically what would happen here is when someone had died, they would take that dead body and put them in one of those tombs. And as long as they just put one dead body in those tombs, that dead body was ceremonially, ceremonially clean. Okay? But the Pharisees, for their benefit, what they did was is they began to put two bodies in those tombs and therefore making it ceremonially unclean. Well, people began to notice that and it really began to tarnish um, it began to tarnish everyone's outlook on the Pharisees. So what they decided to do then was whitewash the tombs to make them look clean and, and glimmery and all this stuff. So it made a different perception about it. So people could not tell what they were doing. And so they were what? Doing this in secret. Do you know why more people do not live a victorious life? Because they've hidden stuff underneath the surface that they have whitewashed so that no one else can notice. Let me help you out. God notices. God sees all of it. And not only does he notice, but he sees in your heart that we are acting as partially following Christ as if that is an option. Listen, I will say this. I don't ever remember seeing within scripture where Christ offered a buffet of options of following him. Nowhere. Now, there's a story on MSNBC. There was a story. And um, there was this uh, vegetarians, right? Vegetarians. We all know vegetarians. Well, they, they just eat vegetables. They don't eat meat. Whatever. All right? We pray for you. <laughs> Lord, Lord, heal them in Jesus' name. No, I'm just kidding. Right? And, and so, interesting enough, here comes this new group of vegetarians. How can you have a new group of vegetarians? Like, I don't understand it. So this news reporter is uh, interviewing one of these individuals who's a new group in the new group of vegetarians. And he says, well, what makes you different than the normal vegetarian? And he says this, well, we, we, we like vegetables, but we also like sausage. Like, are you, you're not a vegetarian. You know what I'm saying? Like, this isn't adding up. Nowhere, no, I mean, you're, you're not, you're, you're not, no, no. And, and so the normal vegetarians became very upset, as you can imagine. How dare they? You know, they're making us look bad. They like meat, you know. And, and so, so they, 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 they put on the, this pressure on these, this group. And this is, this is serious. I'm dead serious. This is true. And I got to make sure I pronounce it right. So now the new vegetarians call themselves this, flexitarians. Flexitarians, mostly vegetarian, but still eat some of the things they like. The church is full of flexitarians. Think about that for a moment. People who love Jesus, but don't like serving. People who love to come to church, but it stops when it comes to being obedient to stewardship. People who love encouraging verses in the Bible, but not the verses that say you cannot do this or say this and be involved in this. We love Jesus, but we want to be able to what? Pick and choose what we believe. I love Jesus, but not at 100%, because there are still some things in this world that I simply just can't give up. And what is that? That's the grime and the dirt within life that we get uncomfortable when we say, Jesus, we need you to come in here and bring change. Christ never gave an option that includes partial obedience. Do you realize that? It's called compromise. That's what that is. 
Matthew chapter 16, verse 24 says, then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross and follow me. Do you know what that means? Watch this. Carrying the cross is giving forgiveness to those who have wronged you. Carrying the cross is the business person acting with integrity. We must what? Pick up the cross or we simply don't. It's not enough to have a belief in who Jesus is, but we must follow him. This is how we get near to Jesus. Denying self at times can feel like torture until you realize that when you are fully committed to him, then and only then a great awakening is released in your life. Thirdly, here we go. We have a dried out passion. <clears throat> There's a place called Death Valley, California. It's the lowest, driest, hottest place in North America. Its average temperature is 120 degrees. Okay, it's very hot, isn't it? True. They only get about two inches of rainfall annually every year. And its name comes from some pioneers who ventured out into this area and they didn't have enough supplies or water and they barely made it out alive, so they called it Death Valley. And in that valley, if you were to look at a picture of it, you would see this, this land just like a crust, really. Dried and cracked up, no vegetation, hardly any life there. Some of us in this room watching online and even listening on, on uh, the radio, we're, we're just like that Death Valley, spiritually. We've allowed compromise and we've allowed a dried out passion to take precedence in our life. For many of us, you are going through life in a season of drought. We sing the songs, right? Um, they cross our lips, but yet they don't necessarily make it into our heart. You hear a sermon and it gives you enough to last you until next week. Here's some good news and bad news. If you stay dry long enough, it will kill you. But the good news is being dry long enough often drives us to desperate moments and takes us into desperation. Psalm 63, verses one through three, the psalmist writes, you, God, are my God. Earnestly, I what? Seek. You know what it means to seek after something? You're looking for it. You just didn't stumble upon it, but you are intentional with it. He says, I seek you, I thirst for you, my whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. In other words, I'm so desperate, God, that my dryness has driven to look for you. Verse 2. I've seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory. In other words, I've seen your vastness. I've seen how majestic you are. I've even experienced it at times within my life. Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. Are you thirsty enough to go after God? You know, there are uh, certain times, um, and it's usually it's like periods of years that go by, that uh, this Death Valley actually receives enough 
rain, enough precipitation, not participation, that's ridiculous, precipitation, right? And what what happens that that it gets down into those cracks? And you know what's beneath those cracks? Seeds. There's seeds there. Look this up online. You'll find it. I did. It's there. Believe everything you see online, don't you? But there's, there's, there's seeds in between those cracks deep down underneath the earth's surface. And that water creeps down in. And there's moments where if you were to look one time at, at the Death Valley, it would just be this des- desert-looking place, crust, uh, cracked up, no life. But in those seasons, when that water gets down in there, you know what happens? Growth. Growth. And you look at pictures of that season and you see nothing but beautiful wildflowers all throughout. Here's the deal. Some of us, as a church, we're wanting an awakening. We're wanting God to do the majestic. We're wanting God to just flourish in our lives and just pour out, Lord, let it rain, let it rain, let it rain. Holy Spirit, rain down on me, right? We believe in him, but are we following him? See, I believe that God wants that to be a season in our life, but not to stop, but to be continuous. Right now, some of you possibly are going through those droughts. You're going through those moments. My challenge to you is this, desire him. Desire him like you've never desired him before. When you desire something, you go after it, right? You do, you go after it. If you're hungry, what? You're looking for food. You want ice cream? You're going to the creamery or the whippies. You're going after it. You're desiring it. When's the last time you desired God? When's the last time you desired an outpouring of his Holy Spirit? For the the, the Shekinah glory of God just to go through your home and to go through your life and the refreshing of that wind just flow through you. When is the last time you desired that? God is saying, it's time. You want an awakening? Desire me. Follow after me. Amen? Stand with me. I believe that God is telling you and myself, the season that we are in right now is about getting our hearts in the right condition. For many of us, our faith and relationship with Christ isn't dead, but maybe it's dormant. What do I mean? It's just there. Not a, life, not a lot of life to it. You're just existing through it. You're kind of going through the motions. Sometimes we can get stuck in the motions. It really requires an intention on our end to push us through, to push us through. What does that mean? God, I, even if I'm not desiring it, I'm saying I'm desiring it. Lord, I'm not praying for a move of God for my neighbor, my church, my community. Hold up, God, no. I'm praying for a move of God in me right now. Because once it happens in me, then it will begin to spread and impact everyone else. The Pharisees, their prayer was about everyone else and not themselves. Let's not allow ourselves to get caught up the same way. We want an awakening. Lord, start it with me. Begin here in my life. Those areas, Lord, that are full of dirt, grime, shame, guilt, the nasty, the ugly. 
okay, Lord, I'm willing. Get involved in them. Whatever it takes, God, get involved in it. Because it's not just enough to believe in you. But Lord, I need to follow you. I don't need to, 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 to be dead any longer. I don't need to allow myself to continue to be in compromise. And I don't want my passion to be dried out. But I want to become more passionate for you, Lord. And you know, that's offered to us as Christ followers. But maybe you're here today and you don't know who Jesus Christ is. Maybe he's not your Lord and Savior. You're watching us or listening to us. And you're challenged by this message this morning. You're going, I need that hope. I need that feeling. I, 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 I want that escape, so to speak. It can, it's, it's for you. Jesus Christ, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Amen. And it's offered freely to each one of us. The only thing we have to do is say, Lord Jesus, come into my life. So every head bowed, every eye closed this morning. The challenge has been presented to you. If you don't know who Jesus Christ is, that this is the day, this is the hour, this is the moment, this is the opportunity that can forever change and give a new path to your life. And all it requires is you to accept him. And if that's you here today, I challenge you and I ask you to repeat this prayer with me or you're watching online or listening. In fact, I wanna ask all of us in this room to pray this prayer, let's pray. Lord Jesus, today I come before you and I recognize that I'm a sinner in need of a savior. I ask you, Lord, to be my savior. Come into my heart and bring the change necessary to place me in your will, plan, and purpose for my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Can we give the Lord a hand clap of praise this morning? Amen. All right, so we've been given some instruction. It's not enough to believe. We must follow. How have you been patterning your life? Have you been dormant? Sitting back, just wanting something to happen, but doing nothing about it. Jesus is saying your first step, follow my steps. Follow me. Don't be dead. Don't live a life of compromise. And don't allow your passion to dry out. I want to pray with you this morning. Lord, I thank you. I thank you, Father, for what you have done through our services today here at our church. God, how you have blessed us with your spirit and how you've worked in the lives of each individual. We thank you, Lord, and rejoice with those who have given their lives over to you today all across the world. But Father, we also recognize that we are a people who are wanting to see a great move of you. We want a great awakening to take place. We want a revival, per se, to take place. But Lord, we understand it must start within us. That God, we, we must allow you to bring the change that makes things uncomfortable. That we can't live a life that is dead in relationship with you. We can't allow ourselves to live a life full of compromise because that really gets us nowhere when it comes to you. Father, we cannot allow our passion to die. But God, we need to live our life in full obedience to your scriptures. 
into what you have planned for all of us. So God, from this day forward, from this moment, help us to do just that, to go after you in everything, to follow your footsteps that you have led before us. And Father, with that, we say we glorify you, we honor you, we praise you, and we love you. And as the psalmist said, Lord, let the words of our mouths and the meditations of our heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. In Jesus' name we pray. And the church says, amen, amen. We love you guys. Have a great day.